Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Hey, you understand that it's only 21 days to Christmas? Wow, come on. Man, the stage is all looking nice. We had some uh, Miss Rhonda and some ladies at church that come help us decorate. Come on, give all, the, all of our ladies a great good hand clap. They did a great job. You know, I love this season, and we decided, you know, you look on the wall, we're finally done with this year. That last word over there, the word awesome, that means we have filled up this month with abundance, anchor, waking our eyes, active, uh, dance, adapt, alignment, action, ambition, appreciation, and now awesome. And what I want to talk about over the next few weeks, you know, because I, I understand as we get older, as we get to be adults sometime. So many times we, we don't maintain those same awestruck feelings about Christmas. For many of us, when you go looking at your Christmas list, when you go looking at your Christmas to-do list, the, the, the families you got to see, the parties you got to attend, all of a sudden, if we ain't careful, it robs us of the wonder and the awe of this season. You understand that? And, and when all of a sudden, we come into it, and we go out of it, and we think, oh, I'm glad it's over with. So, so what I want to talk about over the next few weeks is how that we don't allow the predictability of this season to steal from us the curiosity of what is God wanting to say to us during this season. There's a lot of predictability to what we have to do. And, and, and again, like I said, the schedules that we're going to have. But, but my prayer is that this Christmas that... That, that we would embrace the wonder or the awe for, for what Christ wants to do in us and through us during the season that we in. So we're going to look at the Christmas story. And today, I want to start with, with Mary and Joseph. I want to start with the, two of the main characters of the whole story of Christmas and, and look at what the Bible says about them. I'm gonna, we're going to go back in history just a little bit, but well, what's the application for us? What, what is God trying to tell us during this Christmas season? And particularly when you think about the, the, the Mary and what was happening in her life, the history tells us that when Mary was born, that, that the golden age of Israel's proud history was over because there had been no king from David's family that had been ruled in Jerusalem for some 500 years, okay? 500 years they had been awaiting the Messiah. 500 years that they have been awaiting for the, the ruler that had been promised to them throughout the pages of history. Somebody that would come from David's family, would sit on David's throne, and would be the ruler again. And from everything that tells us about the, 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 the scene that Mary pops into, Mary is just this humble Jewish uh, upbringing. She, she's got a father who is a descendant of King David through David's son, Nathan. And Mary is from this little town called Nazareth. Now, now listen, Nazareth in, in Mary's day was noted for one thing. Are you ready? It was sin. Nazareth was a very sinful city. 
It, it was located just four miles from a Roman garrison or a camp or a, uh, you know, a place where, where the soldiers would gather. You know, we'd be like our, our Fort Campbell, our Fort Knox. And when, when the boys in the army would get a few days off and they would have some bonus pay, they would, would go into Nazareth and they would look for cheap wine and they would find the red light district and they would spend all their money. That was the, the city of Nazareth that Mary is growing up in. And in Luke chapter 1, we find that it's in this wicked city. It's to this little young girl that is from a very, very uh, a humble family that the angel Gabriel shows up. I want, I want to read Luke's account and then look at what happens in Mary's life. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. Underline that, circle it. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, the Bible says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Now, now I want you to just notice, because we read through that. Mary wasn't troubled that she got visited by an angel. Now, most of us would have already sold our britches if an angel shows up. Come on. If, if all of a sudden you, 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 you get this visit, but she isn't troubled by the angel's visit, she's troubled at what the angel says, okay? Why is that? Because, again, in her culture, from the Old Testament all the way up to the coming of Christ, it was not unusual for angels to come and, and to, to visit God's people. It wasn't unusual for them to make visits to this earth. Now, we know today that the angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear Him, right? We, we know that they're with us, but, but we don't have the encounters with angels as they did in, in Mary's culture and in her time. So she's not troubled by the angel himself. She's troubled by the words. But the angel said to her, verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There's that word favor again. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are, are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So what's this? Mary first appears in the Scripture in the presence of an angel. She's already been engaged to this guy by the name of Joseph. Now let me just give you a little sidebar. Every historian says that in that culture, that Jewish culture that Mary was in, that marriage engagements were made for children when they're fairly young. In other words, two families would come together, and they would agree, and they would have a marriage covenant. So at some point, Joseph's family, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but had already connected with Mary's family, and in all likelihood, every, every commentary, every theologian says that Mary is probably 13 or 14 years old, still living with her parents. She's a teenager girl. 
who, who was surrounded. Now listen, she's surrounded by women. In that day, women, when they, had a, when they had a male child that was born, there were many women giving their children the name Yahshua or Jesus. Women would, would have boys born, and they, they would name them Yahshua in hopes that their son might be the channel in which Jesus would come, the Messiah would come. So it wasn't unusual. Matter of fact, when Jesus died uh, some 33 and a half years later, there, the historians have uncovered there were 70-something Jesuses that was in this region. So, so here Mary is, surrounded by many of these older women who are having babies. They're naming them Yahshua, and here she is, 13 or 14 years old, and the angel of the Lord comes and visits her. Now, so many people get under the oppression that somehow or another, Mary is, is some righteous young girl. Listen, she's a 13, 14-year-old teenager living with her parents. Come on. Parents, you remember, remember when your teenagers were at home? You remember when they get at that awkward 13 or 14 years where they think they know everything? Hello. This is Mary. There's nothing righteous about Mary. The Bible tells us, go back to verse 28, she's highly favored. What does that mean? It means that God gave her grace. Listen, it was a grace act in Mary's life. Listen, as Mary followed the angel's advice, she, she had to wrestle with the consequences. What's going to happen to me if I accept what this angel is telling me? Now, again, there's nothing righteous in her, but God is going to give her grace. Now, listen, here's what I want you to say. Everything that God does in our lives is by his grace. You understand that? There's nothing we can do to earn and make ourselves more valuable to God. Come on, I'm preaching. There's nothing we can do to make us more valuable to God than just existing because he gives us favor and grace because of him and not because of us. So Mary's 13, 14 years old, little young teenager, angel visits her. Think about the consequences. I, I wrote down just a few in your notes. How am I going to explain this to my family? Listen, most teenagers have a difficulty explaining, you know, riding, you know, hitting the donkey cart with another donkey cart, okay? Having an accident. If you listen, if you've been a teenager and you've tried to explain to your parents what you did or what you didn't do to have a car accident, how do you think it would be to sit down with your parents to say, Mom and Dad, I'm with child, I'm still a virgin, and God did it? Good luck with that. Come on. Good luck with that. Mary, what is Joseph going to say? Joseph will find out. The Bible says he's a righteous man. He's been committed to her for months now. They have been engaged. They have a marriage covenant already signed, sealed, delivered. How was he going to respond to this? What about the townspeople? What would they think about me? Am I headed for a life of being a single parent? Listen, most scholars suggest that Mary lived her entire life under, under suspicion from her family and her neighbors 
that what she had said and told them was totally untrue. Can you imagine that? In, in her culture, she, as a woman, she had no voice. She was expendable. She, she, she had no value of her own. Listen, what God was doing in Mary's life, what Mary said yes to in her life was her only hope. It's the only thing she could look forward to. It was her only expectation that what I've signed up for, somehow or another, God is going to use this for his glory. Because she responds in verse 38, I'm your Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. Now think about that. We read this story over 2,000 years later. We tell, oh, how wonderful. You know, Mary gave birth to Jesus. No, no, she's 13 or 14 years old. She's a virgin. She's engaged. Her parents will never understand this. But she says, yes, may it be to me as you have said. Everybody's done unfollowed her. They blocked her. They're spreading rumors about her. But Mary's decision to fully be submissive to God's call was her willingness to suffer ridicule and even, even loneliness. But she wanted to do what God said in her life. Mary had no guarantees. Are you following? She had no guarantee. So, so just, 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 just put up. Put a, put a page marker right there on Mary. Here she is, little peasant girl, come from a Jewish family, 13 to 14 years old. Angel visits her. She's not troubled by the visit. She's troubled by the words. When the words come out and Mary says, let it happen to me, be it unto me, and she has settled in her life, I'm going to follow God's call. Now, look at Christmas through Joseph's eyes. I'm going to take you somewhere. Watch it. In Matthew 1, we pick up, story of Jesus' birth, how the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what the angel told Mary was going to happen. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, you can circle that, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, there's his lineage, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave the name Jesus. Now watch this. Mary, peasant girl, 14, 15, 13, 14 years old. Joseph, the Bible says he's a righteous man. He's a righteous man. What does it mean? It means he was probably a very strict observer of the law of Moses. Now, he's not a wealthy man. He's a carpenter. We would learn about him along the way. But, but he's, not, he's not an untaught man. He's not illiterate. What would happen is that, that historians tell us that Jewish men in this day, Jewish men that, that was uh, very strict law-driven, they would not get married until they're at least 
25 years of age. Okay, let's do another little wrench in this whole story. Mary is 13 or 14 years old, and her parents has already signed a covenant to let her marry a 25-year-old guy. Anybody see an issue with that? <laughs> in her culture, it was, most, it was mostly likely that, that Joseph had saw Mary at some point, and he, he said, hey, listen, this is a beautiful little girl. I, I think I want to marry her. I want to spend my life. I want to raise a family with her. And Joseph's family had met with Mary's family. They had sat down because, listen, in that day, a marriage covenant wasn't between two people. It was between two families. You know why? Because everybody in this room knows you don't marry one. You marry everybody. Hello. I'm, listen, most young couples get all goofed up when they don't recognize, well, I just said yes to him. No, 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 honey. You've signed up for the whole clan now. They're yours, whatever they are. And listen, in those days, a covenant was, the, was declared between those two families, and a covenant would be signed. They had a legal engagement that was far more binding than any engagement that we might have today. Only divorce or death could break it. And listen, if even if they was, uh, if Joseph was to die, Mary would still be in full line of, of his inheritance, so she wouldn't be left alone. But here it is, Joseph, in the meantime, listen, he, he comes in the midst of this story, and he, he, as he shows up, the first uh, appearance that he has is that, again, when he finds out, now how did he find out? Most historians say that after Mary had went to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, Mary, Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist. She has this encounter with Mary and Elizabeth. They meet, and, and she walks in the door. History says she's about six months pregnant. She can't hide it. And, uh, and once she has that encounter with her, her, her cousin Elizabeth, she goes back to Joseph and sits Joseph down and says, Joseph, I got something to tell you. Okay? I know we're engaged. And I've been totally celibate. I've, I've stayed pure. But guess what? I'm pregnant. You're not the father. God is. And the Holy Spirit did this. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Come on. Think of it. Yeah, right. Truly? Listen, I'm sure that when Joseph heard this story, he had to first say, she's pranking me. Is there a camera? Is, you know, look around. Is there a donkey somewhere? This has got to be something. Listen, Joseph knew he hadn't violated the marriage covenant. So what's going on? Did she really go to visit her cousin Elizabeth? Anybody ever fought in this? Hey, what about all these army guys that's been coming into Nazareth? Has, has she sure stayed away? You know, men in the uniform, they always kind of really get the eye. True? Come on. Don't, don't tell me. But Joseph just sit there and said, oh, because the Bible said the very first thing he thought about was divorcing her. Now, now he, he probably had the options. He could marry her quickly, even though the baby wasn't his. That wasn't publicly divorce her as an adulteress. That means she'd be taken out in the city. She'd die or have the marriage contract set aside quietly, divorce her quietly, and let Mary go off somewhere and have the baby elsewhere. But as, listen, as he, as he turned these options in his mind, something emerged. 
It's the same thing that got Adam in trouble in the Garden of Eden. I was just thinking about this after the first service. It's an amazing thing what true love does to a person. Remember when, when Adam and Eve was given the command, you know, you can have every tree in the garden, the garden, that, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, just don't eat of it, okay? Don't eat of the tree. Mary got deceived, or, or uh, Eve got deceived by the serpent. She partook of the fruit. She ate of it. Adam shows up, and, and the Bible just says that Mary gave it to Adam, and Adam said, yeah, that looks good, let's eat. And their eyes was open, and we know the rest of the story. They were out of house and home after that, right? Come on. They got kicked out of the garden. Why did Adam, why did Adam, there was a love that Adam had for his spouse, even though he knew the truth of what was he supposed to be doing, not to eat, that it caused him to forego the command of God for love. Listen, love does crazy things. Hello? Come on. What would it look, listen, this is, a side, this is totally a sidebar. I'm going to give you a Dr. Phil counseling here real quick. But listen, what would, our, what would our culture look like if we could learn how to operate in more compassion and sympathy with people when we know that love is causing them to do stupid things? Doesn't make it right, okay? Doesn't make it right, but it causes them to do stupid things. Rather than writing off the person, what would happen if we could learn how to direct our comments towards your behavior and not the person? Sidebar, let's come back to Joseph. Joseph realized that there was a love that he had for Mary, that he could not divorce her publicly and have her stoned. He wasn't about to just buy into this thing and say, because I know he had to be struggling. Hey, is she telling me the truth? So he said, let me divorce her privately and let me put her away. She can go have the baby elsewhere. But here's what's happened. Joseph is wrestling, but in a dream, God shows up. Okay? In, in, In the midst of this wrestling, trying to make a decision, he has an encounter with God through the angel Gabriel that says, take Mary as your wife, for she was not to blame for what God had allowed, for that which she is conceived in her is Holy Spirit. I love that. So you know what Joseph does? Now, what you, I love that. You know what Joseph? Joseph goes all in. He sells out to this thing. Listen, for, 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 for himself at that moment, he says, regardless of how awkward, how, how ridiculous everything is here at this moment. I'm going to believe what the angel of the Lord has told me, and I'm going all in. I'm going to take Mary as my wife. I'll stay celibate until this child is born. Let's see what happens. And then from then on, we'll, we'll stay together husband and wife. Two people, very important to this season that we're in, that, we, that, we're, that we're reminded of the awesomeness of God. Because listen, Christmas is the promise that God said, for God so loved the world that he would send his only begotten son to this world. He would give his only begotten son. He would allow his son to come to this world. So, so well, what's the lesson for us to learn? Now, here's where I want to take you for the next 20 minutes. Just stay here with me. What's the lessons out of Pastor Phil, I've read the story. I know, no, no, no. Listen, so many times, we come to this part of the year and we miss, what is God saying to me right now? 
I guarantee you, if I had the time to pass the mic around to people in this house, listen, in our current times, just like Joseph and Mary, we, 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 we deal with our fair share of turmoil, uh, unrest, uh, difficulties, personal concerns, relational concerns, financial concern. Listen, if, if we had the time, every one of us in this room, we're dealing, it's, 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 it's different than what Mary and Joseph, but it's similar in the sense that the, 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 the general sense of us doing what God's asking us to do is by no means easy to follow sometimes. Now, it's, it's, it's okay to say, yes, I will. Oh, yes, God, I'm going to follow you. But listen, the, the road that we have to go down, the, 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 the life that we have to live, listen, it's not a stress-free life. Moses, uh, listen, Joseph and Mary's journey to parenthood, it, it revealed incredible perseverance and faith in the midst, listen, that there was tremendous things that they had to wrestle with, just like we're doing today. There's people that I talk to every day right now. I'm rubbing shoulders with, and they're saying, Pastor, I've got all of this stress going on. I've got this, all this anxiety. I, I want to do what God wants me to do, but i got this so much outside pressure that makes it difficult. How did Joseph and Mary, what can we learn? Write this down. God's instructions come with provision and strength to see us through. Listen, as you read this story, the unique circumstances surrounding Mary's pregnancy and Joseph wanting to marry her, it's documented in Matthew and Luke's gospel. And it's not hard to imagine that the level of anxiety that, that, that followed this historical announcement, listen, it, it, listen, everybody in this room, you know pregnancy have a, has a tendency. It can be awesome and it can be awful whether you planned it or you've unplanned it. Many parents, when we, when, we, when we go through those experiences of having a child, listen, I've never met anybody who felt totally equipped and prepared for that moment. You may think you are, but listen, everything, when it shows up, it's totally different, right? Come on. I remember when Sunshine was born, you know, we finally got home from the hospital. We'd had our little camper pull behind Rhonda's mom's house, you know, and I was going to be the daddy and she the mama, and I didn't want Granny helping, you know, because I, I was jealous, you know, of this is my child and I want to do it all. It took me two nights of that, okay, two nights. After two nights, I'm knocking on Granny's house. I said, uh, you know, Mom, I said, I think it'd be much more comfortable for Rhonda and Sunshine just slept at your house instead of me having to come back and forth. And listen, I, listen, that jealousy of her stepping in, of me being afraid that Sunshine's going to love her more she loved me. Come on, we all deal with some of that stupidity. Think about, listen, when, when Mary and Joseph are about to give birth, listen, there, there's no books that they can read of what to expect when you're giving birth to a prophesied Messiah. Listen, there, there's no blogs out there that Mary can go and read of cute ways to tell your family and friends how you've been conceived by the Holy Spirit. None of that is happening. They're in totally uncharted territory. You ever felt that way? 
You ever felt like what you're going through, the, the, the thing that you're battling, the, whether it's a physical or relational, financial or emotional, you ever felt like that, that what you're in right now, you're, you're, un, you're in uncharted territory? I hear people say this more than anything. Pastor, but you don't know what it's like. You ever, you ever said that? And you know what I tell people? You're right. If you had anybody that steps up and says, well, let me tell you how I know. No, you don't know because everybody processes something differently. And here, here Mary and Joseph is. They're, they're in total uncharted territory. Yeah, here's what they know. They all know and understand that God is going to provide the strength and the provision that they need to navigate where they're headed. God had already put Elizabeth and Zechariah in their life. He had already given them a visit by an angel. Both of them had visits by an angel that spoke to them. You know what Mary and Joseph decided to do? What, what would happen if we would trust God's power, trust God's provision, and just trust his promises? What would happen today if you decided with your circumstance and your situation that you're going through right now, you said, I'm going to draw the line. I'm going to trust God's power. I'm going to trust God's provision. I'm going to trust God's promises on this thing. They had, listen, they were taking a risk. But when you take a risk in line with God's instruction, will always come his promise. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all. Everybody say all. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not your own into sin. In all, as everybody say all, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You know where we get in trouble? We don't give him all of our heart, and we don't trust him in all of our ways. I'll give you some. Joseph and Mary, they, just, they trusted him with all their heart in all of their ways. They didn't have the full picture. They, 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 listen, they didn't know where every road was going to take them. Do you know what they did? They knew what God had said to them, and they, even though they didn't know where they were going, they knew they couldn't stay here. Listen, can I give a word to somebody in this house today, somebody watching in line, one of our campuses? Listen, just like Abraham, when, when God come to Abraham and said, Abraham, get out from your country, your kingdom, and go to a land that I'm going to show you, Abraham had no idea where they were headed. Joseph and Mary had no idea what the road was going to be like. But you know what they decided? I can't stay here. Sometimes that's the best move you can make in your life. It's just decide, I can't stay here. I don't know what's ahead of me, but I know what God's doing in my heart right now. I can't stay where I'm at. I've got to move. And when they, they moved with God's instruction, came provision and came strength. Here's the second thing I think they can teach us. God's opinion should always matter more than others. Now, think about this. They're managing their own emotions, fear. Worry, anxiety, stress, what, what is family going to say? What is neighbor? Are they ever going to come around? Will they? Listen, but, but not only are they managing their own emotions, they've got to contend with the opinions and the expectations of other people that's looking at them. Remember, Mary is supposed to be a virgin, 
And for a virgin or woman, or for an unmarried woman that has been engaged but it has not yet had a consummation of that marriage, listen, and for that young lady to get pregnant in that culture, it was totally frowned upon. It usually meant death. And for Joseph, by all appearances, history tells us that since Mary was no longer a virgin, if he even considered still taking her as his wife, that, that he would be shamed the rest of his entire life. However, God had plans for Joseph and Mary, and they followed them, regardless of the social stigma that followed them. How many people do you know right now, do you know right now that the Holy Spirit is working on their lives? You've been praying for them. You've been witnessing to them, and you know the Holy Spirit has been really, really been bringing conviction. And they're so close to saying yes to God, but the only reason why they don't say yes to God, it isn't the uncertainty about tomorrow, it's the opinions of people around them. I don't want people to think I'm a Jesus free. I don't want people to think that I'm a radical person. How many friends did Mary and Joseph lose, you think, when they said yes to God's plan? Probably all. You think they ever come around? You think they ever understood? You think they were ever successful at saying, see there? <laughs> He was the Messiah. Most listen. Joseph and Mary had other children. I think it, and I, I, I might mess it up if I try to give you a number. But there's at least five or six siblings, maybe, maybe at least six that Jesus had. Even Jesus' own brothers and sisters did not believe that he was the Messiah to after his death, burial, and resurrection. Hello. So it isn't just something that followed them at that moment when they're carrying Jesus and Mary is with child. Listen, listen, it lasted probably 33 years or longer. And yet Mary and Joseph, listen, they absolutely valued one person's opinion, and that was God. Here's my question. What is it going to take for you this year? This year, we got 21 days to Christmas. A few more days after that, 2022 is gone. What is it going to take for you this year before 2022 closes that you're going to finally decide that God's opinion is more important to me than everybody else's opinion? When will you decide that? Here's the inspiration. Here's all the inspiration that we need. Mary and Joseph knew that when God gave a, a, a order, when God gave a command, God gave a promise, that strength and provision would be there, hit their opinion. Uh, God's opinion mattered more to them than everybody else's opinion. Here's the third thing. Sometimes God's favor might look like a donkey in a manger. Listen, because here's the problem. When I read this story, and I was reading one commentary that said that after Mary said yes, Joseph said yes, we're going to do this thing, and then the census got called, and they had to travel and make a trip. That why in the world didn't God send down the angels from heaven and give them a chariot of fire, these, these great, big, beautiful horses pulling them to where they had to go? What, what, God doesn't do that. Now listen, he spoke to them. Mary's got favor. God's give her grace. Joseph is a righteous man. They both said yes to God. But here they are, even though they have been favored and chosen by God, they still have to walk a long, demanding road. 
Doesn't that mess up our Christianity mindset in the, in the, in the U.S. culture anyway? Oh, you come to Jesus, and you say yes to him, and you shake the preacher's hand, and we baptize you, and everything gets to be hunky-dory. Everything's wonderful. Everybody loves you. You'll have no more problems. Oh, no. The moment you say yes to Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? Listen, the devil never tried to convince me I wasn't saved before I was saved. It was only after I got saved, Paul, that he, that he constantly come in my mind. said, you're not saved. You don't have the Holy Spirit. You're not this. You're not. Listen, Mary and Joseph are highly favored. God's hand is upon them. They have grace, but the road that they have to travel is still full of difficulty and struggle. Too many of us equate God's favor with personal comfort. Listen, I look over my life, and I've, listen, I've done my best to say yes to God. There's, there's been a few moments I know I miss God or I was later in that, but I usually pick up and, 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 and find his will again and go forward again. But listen, I'm going to tell you, since I said yes to God when I was 16 years old, it's not been an easy road to travel. It's not. And I look back at that, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. I, I, I think some people think if you're a Christian that every path gets cleared and every, every difficulty gets done away with. No. What happens when you say yes to God's will, yes to God's way in your life, but the road you got to travel is still rocky and difficult? I had somebody tell me just a, a, a few weeks ago, said, hey, Pastor, I thought, now listen, it's your truth, I thought when I got married in the church that somehow or another marriage in the church by a preacher somehow or another made my marriage without any issues or problems. I said, are you kidding me? No, I really, I really thought there was some magic. No, listen, you're still marrying another broken individual. You got two broken people trying to come together, making one whole people, and it ain't happening. You still got a road to travel. You still got a difficult path. But listen, Mary and Joseph understood the fact because God's favor was with them, because his hand and grace was in his life, that even during difficult seasons, even in a bumpy road, it didn't mean that it was the end of the road. Discomfort is never a sign of God's disapproval in your life. And some of you feel that way. Some of you, listen, I look back and I was looking at some names this year and I'm just kind of reminiscing and, and hearing and remembering some of the stories that some of you have had and, and the transition that some of you are making and the transformation that's happening at Wanata and North Judson and Hebron and right here in people's lives. And I look back and I think, wow, it's amazing to see the transformation happening. But then I also stop and I said, wait a minute, they've had a lot of discomfort this year. They, they've, had to, they've had to press through some difficult moments, but they're still pressing through. Because, listen, most of us know, I, I've discovered it in my life. Rhonda and I know, listen, every bumpy road in my life, every difficult time, listen, that God allows to come my way. You know what it's done? It strengthens my faith. It helps me to realign my priorities in my life. But ultimately, 
It showcases his miracle. That's what Mary and Joseph is going to understand. All the trouble, all the difficulty that they were about to go through was going to showcase the miracle hand of God. Sometimes God's favor might look like a donkey in a manger. Okay? Understand that. Here's the last thing. Kings and rulers may change our circumstances, but they cannot change God's plan. Please catch this as I, as I try to close on this thing. Kings and rulers, politicians, the law, the government, they, they can change circumstances. Because we know, listen, it was the decree of, of Caesar Augusta that is what forced Joseph to take a very pregnant wife and have to travel all the way to Bethlehem. You can read that story in Luke chapter 2. It's the king of Herod that is ordered going to later, he's later going to order the death of all the newborns into a, in, in, in the attempt to try to prevent, I don't want any boy being born that, that might somehow or another step up and claim to be the Messiah to challenge my power. Read that in Matthew chapter 2. So you have both of these men that are very powerful, and they, they put laws in place that made Mary and Joseph's life very difficult. It affected everything they were doing. But they could never thwart God's perfect plan. They, they couldn't stop what God intended to do. Matter of fact, unknowingly, they were setting in motion the journey from Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, they, was, they, they actually set in motion because Mary and Joseph would have probably stayed in Nazareth, for, no, but it wasn't prophesied for Jesus to be born. Micah, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephetah, though you are small among the clans of Judea, out of you will come from, for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, who, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Though, 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 though uh, Caesar thought he was somehow or another making it difficult for Joseph and Mary to try to somehow or another thwart, he could not thwart God's plan. All he did was he set in motion for the prophecy of Micah to be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? And, and then, then Herod, he tried to prevent the growing up of Jesus by, by having all the, uh, the, the baby boys uh, in, in turn slaughtered or killed. But listen, all he did was provide the escape to Egypt for the timing that would happen to, for them to return back to Jerusalem or back to Nazareth after Herod ended up dying himself, just like God planned it to happen. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen, come on, Pastor Lindsay. What I'm saying is simply this. We live in a time of political unrest. We live in a time of political uncertainty. We live in a time, there are, there are so many people that, that focuses upon what, what man can do, and we totally forget about the authority and the power that God has, that God is in charge. You understand? God is in charge. Well, there's a few of you that believe that. Listen, there's, there's some people so paralyzed by elections that they stop walking in faith. 
They're so paralyzed by certain people holding certain positions. Listen, kings and rulers and earthly powers, listen, they may come and go, but listen, it's God himself. He forever sits on the throne. God's, God's plans for his people and his church, it can never be thwarted. The psalmist writes this in Psalms 118 in verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. Listen, every theologian agrees that Psalms 118, verses 8 through 9, that's the middle verse of the Bible. Take all the verses, all the chapters before Psalms 118, all the ones after. This is the one God stuck right smack in the middle. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in the man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What is God saying? Here, here's the main story Mary and Joseph gives us today. Are you willing to trust God? Will you trust Him? Listen, Mary had to trust the angel's promise that God had given her. Joseph had to trust Mary that what God had said to him, her, was true. Mary had to trust Joseph, you're not going to put me away. You're not going to have me killed. Both Mary and Joseph had to trust God. And both of them said these words in some fashion or form. I am your servant. Whatever it costs, wherever it takes me, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. And can I tell you, this Christmas season, that's what God's looking for. There's not going to be another Messiah born. He's not looking for another teenager to, to show. Listen, he shows grace and favor on every one of us on a daily basis. And he shows grace and favor upon us, even some of us that are not as righteous, or some of us, you're like Joseph. You're very righteous. I mean, you, you do your best to do everything right. You come to a stop sign, you fully stop. You don't slow and go. Hello? You stop. Because it says stop. You follow every law. You get out your calculator and you say, what's 10%? And you figure it up down to the penny. Because you don't want to do more. You're just trying to do, what is 10%? Here it is. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the midst of us having favor and grace of God, or in the midst of us being righteous, ultimately it all comes back to the point, will we trust what God wants to do in our life? God continues to look for men and women today who will just simply say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. What, 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 do you. what do you need to trust God in this year? There were, there were some uh, articles that was being written a few months ago that the recession and the, the, the climate and the culture that it was going to cause the uh, charitable giving to go down. A few years ago, they, they, they wrote about how that when tax changes happen and, uh, you know, people no longer got full credit or you could you was limited about your tax credit for giving to a church, your charitable. There was, there was pastors that wrote, oh, you know, the church is going to be in trouble. You know, the tithes will, will get less because now people... That, that are giving because of the tax credit, they're going to stop giving. Can, you, can I tell you what? Every statistic out there says, even though we're having 
a part of a recession we're dealing with, even though the tax codes have changed. Charitable giving, church giving is rising. It's going up. We've had another great year in our church right here at Oliver Campbell. Why? Listen, we know it's about trusting God. It's never about money. It's always about trust. It's always about understanding and believing and holding on to the fact that where, where, where God gives me an instruction, when God tells me to do something, time, talent, temple, testimony, trust, whatever God tells me to do, He's going to give me the strength. He's going to give me the provision that I need to see me through that. What is it? What is it that you need to trust God with? What is it that during this awesome season that we're in, you go back to that little peasant girl story, 13, 14-year-old, 25-year-old man, both of them come together. This angel has told us a story. We're not quite sure. Let me tell you what we're going to do, God. We're going to trust you. I don't care what the opinions of people around me are. I don't care how difficult the journey gets. I'm going to trust you. I, I thought I'd be riding in a Cadillac. I'm on a donkey again today. Come on. I thought for sure. You know, Sister Ronnie goes to the to the mail every day or the staff will bring the mail in and she gets there where she can put the bills out, you know, put them in the proper places. And I walk in, I said, listen, has the million dollar check come in today? She said, no. I said, okay. I just thought it might be today. thought it might be today. Listen, there, there's times we have to trust it. In your marriage, with your kids, with your physical health right now, We've got all this stuff happening again with, 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 with different sicknesses and, 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 and you know, with, with different areas of things. Listen, and I know this, this is a difficult season, but can I tell you, God can be trusted. You, do you believe that with me? He can be trusted. And that's what I'm praying for you this season. I'm praying that there's, a, there's an awakening of the awesomeness of this Christmas story. Said, oh God, I can trust you. You you did a miracle over 2,000 years ago with this little peasant girl and this, this young man. God, I know you can do a miracle in my life. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.